at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy, oh, I don't know what we have this week. Happy uh, Track National Championships. Yes. That and uh, isn't the Syracuse rowing team headed to London? Yes, with some really dope jackets. Dope-ass jackets. That I, I would love to buy one. So if they want to auction those off or something, I'm happy to participate in that. We should like reach out and see if they want to like make a bunch of those and try to sell them. Because like, didn't the soccer team sell their? Uh, I think they sold their their kits a couple of years ago and it did really well, and they've never done it since. And these just seem like things that we could like be taking advantage of, especially for teams that could probably use like a little bit of influx of uh, money. Yeah, like pretty much everybody like needs to be making as much merchandise as possible. And I don't really care if Nike's on branding or not, but like between the soccer kits, these awesome blazers, I'm sure everybody else, like, why don't they sell track pennies? Like all these things that they could, they could sell more of. Stuff they're already making. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're already making it. You might as well just make more except for public consumption and people will actually buy these items. I'm sure if you, I'm sure if you put more track merchandise on the market, Kevin would, uh, would buy most of it. Yeah. And I remember the soccer jerseys, like they, they only put out, like, a limited number, and they sold out right away. So, like, you would think we'd have a decent idea of how to stale these things, and yet we do not, because, you know, <laughs> why, would, why, would we be, why would we be good at things? No, it's, uh, it's not something we're, 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 we excel at. Um, finances apparently aren't something we excel at either, um, based on today's report from uh, Chris Carlson. I kind of expanded upon just kind of the notes around uh, Dino Baber's salary and the overall kind of financial state of the institution of Syracuse. And I know like when going down to 2016 salaries, uh, a couple curious items in there. Uh, departing CFO made $3.2 million on the way out. Little iffy. Uh, the more pressing one was the fact that, you know, Daryl Gross was given a pretty uh, sweetheart deal um, after he uh, quote unquote resigned from the uh, athletic director position and then was handed a, a pretty hefty severance. This, you know, after presiding over um, a pretty, you know, while not severe in, in, in a lot of our minds, uh, pretty damning in, in terms of Syracuse uh, athletics goes. Uh, NCAA infraction issue, uh, one that cost us the 2015 NCAA uh, tournament possibilities. I don't really think we were making the tournament that year anyway, but whatever. Um, just sucks for those, you know, kids, especially Rocky and Christmas, who had such a great senior year. Um, in general, you know, Gross did a lot of good, a lot of not so good, um, all in the name of brand. Um, and, and Carlson rightfully exposed how weird it was. And also, like, while he didn't say this, I know I said it, Sean said it, uh, did kind of hint at, you know, Gross maybe knowing a little too much about where the bodies were buried, even if he didn't know which bodies they were. Yeah, it's just like, there's no good reason to have paid Daryl Gross one and a half million dollars a year after he had resigned as athletic director following, you know, it's not, not exactly a, a hugely scandalous scandal on the, the, in terms of what, you know, we've seen from other programs, but it was still like a thing that embarrassed the school and he was directly involved. Um, so like, I can understand keeping him on to like, just kind of have a, a, a grace period and, and to, to not, you know, have some iffy, um, legal issues, but to pay him his regular salary to essentially do, what, teach a class and not do anything else of, of value as far as we can tell. I know there was some uh, weird, like, coded language around that and, you know, legalese around that in the, the statement put out today. But, yeah, it's just very shady, and it clearly was like, we need to keep him happy for some reason. Um, hopefully it wasn't, like, a, a, a super... Um, scandalous reason in and of itself but it was also bizarre considering it was Siverud and not Chancy Nancy who was already gone yeah that is the weirder thing too is that you know Cantor and Gross are intrinsically tied for numerous reasons uh, some more controversial than others 
but I think a lot of people kind of see them presiding over a controversial, you know, 10-year stretch in, in the university's history, um, you know, that kind of wedging in between um, the sanctions coming down and, you know, Carmelo Anthony leading the uh, basketball team to the title. There is a 10-year stretch in which we changed the school mascot name from Orange Men and Orange Women to Orange. Um, Otto got a makeover. Our logo got a makeover numerous times until uh, we settled on the current Block S Obviously, we moved to the ACC. The football program fell into disarray. Uh, basketball program seemed to resurge after some bumps in the road. Um, and, of course, the Olympic programs um, under Gross, and he deserves a lot of ample credit for this, all you know, found ways to excel in one way or another, and we're seeing the fruits of that now in the ACC, a league that is much more, um, you know, not not based on Olympic sports success because it's still based on football and basketball, but has a much higher emphasis on that than uh than the big east did so i think you know you can't mention the bad with gross without mentioning the good but you also can't mention the good without the bad and and, and you said too no matter how you weigh those scales i i don't i don't really see how, how the money exchanged um in his favor really was warranted yeah it, it definitely not to like pretend like nothing good happened i think we've talked a lot about how many very good things happened with daryl gross as athletic director it just doesn't make a lot of like. I thought his his time at Syracuse came to a very natural and fitting conclusion in terms of like time period. Like he, you know, he left after a decade, maybe yeah. was a little bit more. Like you know, he ran his course. Like whether or not it was because of an NCAA violation uh, sanctions or not, you know, his time came to an end about when you would expect for an athletic director to, that had accomplished the things that he did. So to keep him on with that super inflated salary just to like have him around until he could find something else. Um, just really, it just it really doesn't look very good. So, and then obviously we had plenty of people chiming in about you know, well, I guess we could have paid, we could have probably paid some people considering we had 1.5 million going to uh, a an outgoing uh, athletic director and then another three and a half going to another administrator for who knows what. Um, so yeah, I, I think next time we hear about how cash straps Syracuse is, we can you know we'll all look back and think and be like, well, who are we paying for? weird reasons that we don't have to be paying right now if we have everything on the up and up. Oh, 100%. And, like, you know, th- th- this traces back, for like, further than just 2016, too. I mean, Marone was the right hire, but he was also a budget hire, and he had a budget, had a very strict budget to work with. Um, and that was all in the Big East, so obviously the uh, athletic income was smaller. But once we transitioned to the ACC, there was much more income um, that we had available to us. Obviously, you know, Seabrood came in and trimmed down um, the academic staff. The athletic staff was trimmed down in some ways as, as Gross departed and, and some of, you know, his kind of right-hand men and women uh, kind of left the room. So it's, it is confusing to see, you know, not necessarily the Dome stuff. I think the Dome stuff needed a, a very large influx of capital, and they're still in the midst of grabbing some of that. But in terms of, like, coaches— I'm not looking at Mike Hart necessarily, but just looking at the general hiring um, abilities of recent coaches, uh, particularly Dino Babers and Scott Schaefer, where Schaefer, um, you know, was really kind of just scraping the bottom of the barrel um, in terms of who he brought up. And part of that was by his own doing. He wanted to come up with these guys um, who, you know, they had had kind of this long-term pact of whoever gets a head coaching job, bring everybody else with them. And you're still seeing some of that. Um, play itself out at Western Michigan um, in terms of Tim Lester, but like, you know, Babers also brought a lot of his own guys in, but in terms of the hires that he's made, I wouldn't say he's really made like big name hires um, to replace positions either. Now, um, I think we were pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, in in total compensation, he took home 2.4 million in 2016, that it was a little bit higher, I think, than a lot of us thought. Um, But you would think with, with the funds allocated to gross, again, I don't know where the, the funds allocated to the CFO were earmarked, but you would think that there should be uh, a lot more money available to pay either Dino or, or the next football coach if, if, if Dino leaves by his own volition because of success. And I'm, I'm a little, I should be, and you should be too, a little less concerned about you know how, how and why we replaced Jim Beheim when it seems very obvious that we have cash around. Um, to put towards uh, a salary that's that's larger than his, whether it's Mike Hopkins or someone else's. Yeah, no, I, I thought the the Babers reveal was actually a very good one. You know, I think he was in like the bottom third of the ACC, but you know, he also was coming from Bowling Green. He hasn't had like 
I think we extended him after the Clemson win, but or, did we? Did we extend his contract after we, that? Or? We didn't. They also, I know at least for private schools, they they don't really disclose that since they don't have to. True. I thought there was just talk of it about how we need to. I, do. Yeah, I know but there was it, talk of us wanting to. I just don't know if it happened. Either way, um, it, you know, it seems like he, he got a, a competitive salary considering where he was coming from and what he had accomplished. And obviously, you know, he hasn't done, you know, he's had some nice wins, but we haven't had the point where he's uh, needed to get another bump up yet. So um, obviously if they had sent him, you know, tomorrow, I wouldn't really complain. But either way, it was good to see that we are paying him, you know, about what his his, his value it would be out in the open market based on where he is today. So um, that was always a concern because I think, you know, we got Marone on the cheap and we definitely got Schaefer on the cheap. Um, but now it looks like we're, you know, paying what you would expect for a, uh, you know, ACC coach coming over from the Mac who was in a rebuilding job at one of the smaller schools in the conference. So, yeah, that was definitely good. That was a, a bit of, um, if not a relief, like it was just nice to see uh, that we are being pretty competitive in that in that aspect. And and now with, with growth off the books, you know, we can definitely afford to, you know, maybe throw some more money at the staff, maybe. And like you said, if, if Bayheim leaves in the next couple of years, we have a general idea of what we could do there. So, um, plus, you know, add an ACC money continually, uh, continue to come in. And, and once the ACC network gets going, which will add some more to the coffers, then, you know, we're we're in a pretty decent situation as long as we're not paying off any more former uh, executives <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree there. I just think I am a little concerned, though, about I, I understand that, you know, Kavanaugh, who was hired to coach offensive line, didn't necessarily have any, any strong ties to the staff. Um, obviously, um, Kirk Martin did, um, given that he's a father-in-law of, uh, well, father of Dino Baber's son-in-law. Um, but, I mean, you and I talked about it when he was hired. The credentials on, like, that would normally raise some red flags, but the credentials on him are actually great. Um, I'm curious, we won't know probably uh, how much those two make, but I would assume that both of those were kind of hires of necessity given the program's kind of financial situation. At least I assumed it then. Now, not so sure. Um, I hope this isn't the case, but, you know, if the defense implodes once again, I think there's going to be pressure on Babers to do something, and, and you and I have mentioned, and others have mentioned too, uh, that probably means a, a change in terms of defense coordinator um, and, and Brian Ward. And the Tampa 2 is kind of uh, comes under fire. I know Jillian Wiggum's had quite a few uh, negative things to say about the Tampa 2, uh, not for Syracuse, just in general um, as a scheme um, and, and its ability to work, especially in, uh, you know, posted opposite this offensive system, which is really high, pay, uh, high tempo. So hopefully not but we might you know if ward ha- has to head elsewhere this uh this offseason we could see you know that 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 increased budget really put to the test if Bavers, you know goes out and gets a, a big name or at least a a moderately sized name dc and, and not you know just like a rising coordinator type that that we've only heard like minimal things about as has been the case for for some of these other hires yeah, it's been tough to judge because he basically brought over his whole staff from Bowling Green and then hired, you know, a, a family connection, which we've talked about in terms of pros and cons there. So there hasn't been, like, that big opportunity to see what he would do. The one really was Mike Hart, and Mike Hart made a lot of sense because of his connections to the area. Um, and then we also understand why he left um, to go back to the Big Ten. But um, overall, like, it, it's there hasn't been that great opportunity to kind of test to see what Babers would do with a big hole in the staff open. But like you said, if Brian Ward, um, you know, fails to have another, you know, some market improvement this year, that could definitely be a spot where it happens. Um, and now we kind of have a, you know, we'll get a general idea for what he'll target, whether it's uh, an established commodity at coordinator or if he'll, you know, go back to the ranks of what's comfortable. It's hard to really tell, like, what would be better or worse. It's just, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully we don't have to deal with it this offseason because, you know, I think we – we did see for a lot of the season uh, a subtle step forward in the defense last year, and hopefully we'll continue to see that this year, and it won't be a necessity. But, you know, the same thing could happen on the other side where, you know, a unit strives and we lose someone to another job again, and, and maybe we find out that way. But either way, we haven't seen, like, that that huge um, that huge opening yet where Bayworth had really gotten tested as a, as a, a hiring manager. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you and I last year talked – uh, when we were discussing the the uh, tenth coaching position, and we both thought 
Um, you know, Mike Lynch, you could, you could either leave him an offensive coordinator or like the, the idea back then anyway was like, if you move him to offensive coordinator, you hire like a big rising name, uh, QB coach potentially, or you leave Lynch at, at offensive line where he had, uh, had a decent amount of experience and he had split time with his offensive coordinator duties. Um, and then you hire like a, a big name OC that has experience running the system, um, Obviously, neither of those things happened. Uh, Martin was brought in to handle QBs. Um, but, yeah, I, I am very curious to see, hopefully, again, like you mentioned, in a positive way, I am curious <laughs> to see what Babers is able to do um, with, I'm sure, no matter what happens this season, I feel like there's going to be at least one opening on the staff. Um, so, again, we'll, we'll see what, what happens then. And, obviously, you know, there, there's a lot of games to play and a lot of factors at play um, but before we get to that point. Yeah, I mean, we should note that we did bring in Kavanaugh from Nebraska, who I'd say is a, a you know a pretty moderate um, name. He was obviously coaching uh, a Big Ten offensive line. I'm actually looking up what his salary was at Nebraska last year because that should be available. Um, he made four hundred fifty thousand dollars. He was the one hundred forty ninth paid, highest paid coach in college football. Actually, tied for like something higher than that. Um, Cornhusker fans did not like him. <laughs> yeah, I know, but he had a bit. I mean, <laughs> I know. It, it was a tough job. <laughs> no, it totally was. I, I, I believe me. I, I'm not. I, I actively try to avoid bringing over any sort of, especially when it comes to assistance. I always try to give them all clean slates, unless like they've done something like horrendously wrong. Like personally, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it's it, it's worth giving them a, a clear slate because you really don't know all the factors at play, um, the talent they inherited, the talent they were able to get, um, what are the responsibilities they were saddled with over there. You know, the, the personalities of a head coach or, or, or a top coordinator uh, can, you know, sour your ability to recruit sometimes. Like, so I, I don't think any of those things necessarily should carry over if they are negative. Yeah, and before that, he was at Oregon State for a long time with Riley, so um, he's kind of been under the same wing, and... and it's, I mean, that Oregon State's like an impossible job to judge from the outside, and, and Riley had them pretty stable for a while, and uh, I you know, couldn't begin to tell you what their offensive lines were like from 2009 to 2014. Um, but, you know, he's an experienced coach, so that wasn't like, he didn't really dip into, you know, the, the high school well twice or go down to, like, FCS to bring another guy. Like, that was a, you know, he's been a Power 5 coach for, like, a decade. So right. I think that was, you know, we, we, we've done a, a bit of a taste of different things for how Babers would hire and uh, handle an opening. One was um, not internal in terms of who he's worked with before, but a very, like, personal uh, plucked right from his, literally plucked from his family. Uh, and then the other one was an outside hire who I don't know that he has any real past connections with who was in the Power 5 ranks, whether or not he, you know, had done a great job there is, is you know tough to determine because obviously at Nebraska the the issues were much higher than him. So um, yeah, so that hope we'll, we'll we'll find out more because inevitably we'll probably lose someone from the staff via firing or departure like Mike Hart uh, next year and and we'll see. It, it's uh, we've seen how other coaches handle it and, and Babers. If anything, he's going you know he knows what he needs to do to a keep his job and and progress uh, here at Syracuse. So I'm not terribly worried about that. No, same. Um, also worth noting, before we move on to the next topic, uh, Babers has lost so far Hart, Tom Kaufman, and Sean Lewis, and I believe that's the full list, right? And Lewis obviously was head coach. Yeah. Kaufman was gonna... kind of a weird one. Kaufman was a weird one, but Kaufman now is at uh, Kent State anyway. Yes. So, which should have happened, like, right. and it probably would have happened anyway. And then Mike Hart... You know, got a salary bump to go back to the Big Ten. Um, I get it. Totally. Um, While we're still here in the first half of things, uh, this being the Syracuse half of the episode, for those wondering, um, if you're going to move on a little bit to a fun conversation we were having today about uh, Syracuse sports figures that deserve a quote-unquote pardon from fans. These are not people that that performed actual crimes who committed crimes, uh, you know, in the eyes of the Syracuse fan base. I know Sean posited Dante Green. I do agree with that one, though. It once I, A lot of people disagreed in the comments, and I felt like that proved Sean's point. Um, I know Lawrence Moten was mentioned, Billy Edelin, Paul Harris. Um, Brian Harrison mentioned uh, Trevor Cooney. Uh, Deshaun Williams got a mention. Doug Marone, I think, is someone who, who definitely deserves to be on there, as does Fab Mello. Um, and then I also mentioned Greg Paulus. 
um, would be my big ones. I mentioned a couple other ones, half joking, half not below. Dan, did you have anyone that you felt like wasn't covered on there in terms of uh, people that you would want to pardon? Um, I'm trying to think. I think you guys handled, like, hit on a bunch of really good ones. You also brought up Darius Baisley, who um, you said I've already moved on. I kind of have to. And we had another discussion on the site about uh, picking between players between you know who came back and who didn't make it. But um, I, I definitely think uh, Marone, like, I feel like shouldn't even be, we talk about this all the time, but shouldn't even be a conversation. Like, right. if you don't get why he went, like, you know, you have – you have some deeper concerns. Well, here. if you don't appreciate what he did either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, considering what came before, what was before and what came after. Um, I think, uh, I think Fab's a nice one. Um, especially, I think we talked about this after he unfortunately passed away. Um, kind of the, the, you know, myriad issues that he had to deal with just being uh, a student athlete at SU when he was there. And obviously he probably didn't handle everything as well as he could have, but um, there were plenty of, uh, you know, it, it was definite hardships that you would understand taking away like the basketball issues and the suspensions. Um, I think just a blanket pardon for the early departures for those who, uh, for whatever reason, haven't learned that this is what happens with college basketball now. <laughs> um, basically, from you know, however the last decade, like green, most of the them... green on through, save Malachi. Yeah, but even Malachi, like, he was a first-round pick. He's landed in a bad situation. Oh, yeah, I just mean as far as, like, how he got flack. Like, I think Malachi got the least amount of flack because at least he led a team to a Final Four. While I feel Um, like everybody else got... I think probably got a little less. Dion, yeah, Dion did get a little less. And he was also, like, a... a, a, Well, he'd been there for two years, too. That's... Oh, that makes it. Yeah, you're right. Good call. Um, Yeah, Malachi probably got the least just as we came off of Final Four, and he was, like, such a huge part of the Elite Eight win... Um, I think Dante probably needs the part in the most, and and I'm I'm definitely I wasn't here I wasn't at Syracuse when Dante was here I you know was basically just a casual fan at that point so I don't you know people were talking about like his laziness on defense and whatnot I I didn't watch the team closely enough until I saw the following year to really know he was but, pretty lazy on uh, defense yeah and that's you know <laughs> and to be fair a lot of that team the next year was too and we love all those guys um, I mean Devendorf was no defender the whole time and yeah. now he's like everyone. And, not to mention other things, and, and now he's everyone's favorite assistant. Um, but uh, obviously Dante, um, I just remember him coming back to, to use multiple times during when I was there, like playing the drums at Sour Citrus and whatnot. And, like he loved, he loved the school and loved the program. So I think if, if anything, like he deserves it for that, just because he could have easily like shunned everyone based on how he, you know, the treatment he was given afterwards after he left, and he didn't. Like he just kept on coming back. So. Uh, that was obviously I think a, a good way to start this, but overall I think you guys hit um, hit on on all the main ones, and and a lot of these are are from way before my my rooting between the Moten timeout and the DC missed free throw, which I'm obviously well aware of both. But yeah, overall um, I thought we we you know everything was pretty well covered. What is your I, I know your anti cues mode, uh, as is the entire staff. Um, what is your it's just dumb like it's just a dumb dumb it hashtag. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't mean anything. Um, no. What is what is your opinion on shut it down? Because there are actually some shut it down defenders in the uh, in the comments section. I have a, a, a place in my heart for shut it down because it was such a fun season, and uh, it dropped like right at the beginning. Whatever the song the year after was was terrible though, and that does not deserve a pardon. Um, the unfinished business the, song. Under, the unfinished, I, I don't think I can remember that one. It wasn't by Rob Murphy. It was bad. It was really bad. It was by some some student. Um, I know you missed my freshman year. Remember the name was the song, which was just yeah, like such was like a dated. Actual... No, it was, but it was such a dated, like 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 if you hear that, you you think of a very set like period of time. That song is very much of of the moment that it was made in. Right. Um. That was like the the quintessential like two thousand six seven like generic hip pump up <laughs> hip hop song. Shut it down though. I I, I appreciate it. it. Got everyone in there. Um. I can still kind of remember it, which is sad. Um, and also, a fun story about that: when when he finally when, he re- when Rob released it, he gave a bunch of students like CDs with it, and we, to, we he asked us if we could hand them out to people. And then athletics had to come take them away because it was going to be a violation somehow. <laughs> so definitely not the most well thought out uh, release of a Syracuse uh, themed rap song by an assistant basketball coach. Uh, given that it could have, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure if you look through like the logs from the NCAA and their investigation from that period, it's probably in there somewhere. Which I, 
I, I kind of wish we had like the full book. Um, but it's still like that season was so fun that I, I, I think we can all pardon the corniness of Shut It Down. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, the other person who deserves, well, troughs do not deserve a pardon in my book, and uh, the spell checker at Syracuse also know because they struck uh, quite a few times, it appeared, uh, during graduation weekend this year. Yeah, I feel like a lot of schools are having this issue, which is, like, crazy. Like, just spell, te- spell check yourself. It's not that hard. It's, it's definitely students doing it, and they're probably... It's either students or, like, an algorithm, and they're probably not double-checking just, like, student names and things like that. Yeah, really annoying. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 would, be, I would be incredibly annoyed, given the amount of money Syracuse costs, to, to stare down at a diploma that, that refused to spell my name right. Yeah, it's... Uh, I would have... I, well, I, I, my diploma spelled right, but... When they announced me on the stage for the arts and sciences graduation, I think they actually said, like, they, like, halved it between Daniel and Danielle, which I don't get. Like, Daniel's a pretty common name Very. and pronounced one way. And it was, like, I'm, like right on that line, I was like, really? Like, I, I didn't put a pronunciation to it because I didn't think I needed one. But here we are. Oh, man. Um, all right. Uh, one note, I don't really think we need to dive in too much because we have a month to do so. Um, Bayheim's Army was the number one seed in the Northeast for uh, the basketball tournament. Um, basketball tournament did not use voting as the seeding process. They just kind of decided that whoever they thought was best was going to be seeded accordingly. Uh, this seems like a little bit of a ploy to get better interest in the tournament. Um, I'm not opposed because it helped us out. Yeah, um, and it's nice to, to get them back in, uh, into Brooklyn, um, which was really fun last year. Uh, for those couple games. Unfortunately, Atlanta and Baltimore is like a, a bit far. I think we had been going... I'm trying to remember where we went after Brooklyn last year. Did we just go right to Baltimore? Philly, yeah, which we have a nice fan base in. So that that's a bit of a challenge. But the Brooklyn games uh, should be a blast. I'm hoping that we get a good draw. I mean, I'm not too worried about this first-round matchup based on what we know of these teams, which is always, like, can be a little bit deceiving because, you know, there's such a... a we've seen these teams that don't have much in the way recognizable college talent, like, do pretty well. Um, but this first team doesn't seem like much of an issue. Beyond there, like, we've seen this, this tournament can be a real crapshoot, and there are teams that come out of nowhere and are super strong, and others that you think would perform well down early. So um, hard to really know until we see them play. But uh, after last year's run, like, I think we're all ready for it again. It's, it's been fun every year. I'd agree. And, yeah, we're going to have a larger preview episode once we get a little bit closer. We've still got about a month. Um, until those games start. So fear not, SU fans. We, uh, we will be revisiting uh, Bayheim's Army quite a bit. Um, one more topic before halftime. Uh, we'll touch it briefly. Uh, bracketology. Uh, I know CBS and ESPN release brackets. Uh, ESPN says we're a four seed. Um, they matched us up against Stephen F. Austin. Um, did point out a couple problems with, uh, with Lenardi's bracket. I know that he... Um, said that we would face either Butler or Buffalo. I don't necessarily think they put us up against Buffalo in round two. Um, just... we are, are we playing them next year? If... We, yeah, we already scheduled them for December 18th of this year. Yes, yeah, so they wouldn't do that. Yeah, they wouldn't he doesn't, do he doesn't that. pay great attention to these things. Yeah. Like, pretty much every year there's a couple of these. Uh, CBS said we are a five seed facing either Texas Tech or Nebraska. Um, and then we'd, have, I mean, we'd head to... D.C. to face Duke if we got out of that area. Um, I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I'd rather not face Duke, but I feel like based on how the bracket's going to play out, unless we're like a top two or even three seed, let's uh, oh, yeah, it would say if we're one through three, um, we can avoid Duke until an elite, a potential Elite Eight bid. Um, if, if, we, if we can't get that high, then, then we're, we're almost definitely facing them um, just by way of geography. Yeah. The other fours are Michigan, who I would rather not face. Obviously, this is a really dumb conversation to have, but whatever. Um, Florida State, who they wouldn't line us up with. And Mississippi State, who, give me them. I, I don't know anything about how Mississippi State will be next year, but um, if you're just asking on a generic, would you like to face this team in the second round of the NCAA tournament as a five seed? Yes, Mississippi State. Give me them. Yes, give me give me Ben Hallen, please. <laughs> Somebody who, who Jim Beheim beat pretty regularly, if, I, if, if memory serves. Uh, that sounds right. Because Dixon, I mean, Dixon was the one who, who gave us fits. I think Howland was, I mean, it definitely wasn't what, what it was under Jamie Dixon. I don't know, yeah. you know, if we dominated him or whatnot, but definitely not the same. Nope, nope. And yeah, that's your, uh, that, that's your pointless bracket conversation for, uh, for June. 
Um, we'll be back here eventually, I'm sure. Um, halftime, oh, though. Next time it's slow. <laughs> Which we can figure that out. Uh, Dan, what uh, what have you been drinking last week? I didn't drink a ton, so kind of relying on you to carry the water here. Uh, just a couple things. Not as many as I had last week. Um, I had a hoppy lager from Five Burrows Brewing, which is one of the newer breweries here in New York. Um, which was, you know, what it sounds like. It was a an IPL, uh, quite good. Um, I had more Speed Merchant since my local Cavs bar remains a Cavs bar, and that is the Cleveland beer of choice that they've been pulling in for these games. Um, I had a Henry Hops from McKellar, um, the non-evil twin in the evil twin relationship, um, which opened a brewery recently at City Field. I didn't get there last time I was at City, um, so I haven't seen that yet, but uh, they're, they're pumping out a lot of stuff, and so now we, you know, that's another new... Uh, player on the scene here locally after they've been contract brewing for a long time um that was good uh you're pretty standard ipa citrus Simcoe, mosaic hops um nothing like too crazy but just a solid ipa and right now i'm having a wolf hollow wolf hollow amber from wolf hollow my friend's brewery up in uh the albany region uh which is really good i'm not a huge amber drinker all the time but this one's really nice so i uh, recommend those um those were all the new things i had this week slash semi-new Nice. On my end, I didn't have much. That uh, I take it easy after vacation. No, I actually had a, a buddy of mine had a, had some Boston Beer Company stuff, so I had a Sam Pale Ale. Um, had their smoked lager, which was kind of interesting. Um, they had their golden ale, and then also had a uh, 2016 Three Philosophers uh, barrel aged. Uh, the time on it really did help. I mean, I, I like three philosophers in general, but, uh, but, but, you know, putting like a year and a half, two years on that, uh, did make a difference. It was a pretty good beer. Definitely enjoyed that. Uh, buddy of mine who also went to Syracuse trying out his new smoker. So we had smoked ribs, corn, and then, uh, cracked open that beer among others. So, uh, fun, uh, fun Sunday for me. Sounds pretty good. It was. I hadn't had, uh, hadn't had ribs in a while. So that was, uh. That's a- Two out of three philosophers. That's a lot of flavor. It definitely, it definitely was. Um, okay. Uh, if you don't want to care about Conference USA football, this is your warning. Because, um, yeah, we're previewing all these. We actually started them even a week early so that if for some reason we cannot um, do an episode one week and, you know, how holidays work sometimes, Fourth of July and all that, um, we have a little bit of a buffer. So... CUSA seems like a one-team league this year, Dan. Um, I'm hoping not. Not because I, I, I want to see anything bad happen to the fight in Lane Kiffins, but just because I, I, I always like to see some sort of competition kind of throw itself into the mix and, and hate to see a team just kind of run away with something, especially when there's so many fun brands or potentially fun brands um, you know, in Conference USA right now. I think it's it's only potentially one team because one team is just so good. Yeah, uh, It's not one team because there's only one good team. It's I think... There's one if, great uh, team. <laughs> yeah, FAU could legitimately win the the uh, automatic bid. Like that, that's not crazy. I don't think. No, I mean, looking at their schedule, quick. I mean, there's like there, there's really two losable games on this schedule, um, and obviously, if they if they find a way to beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma, then all bets are off. Uh, FAU to the goddamn championship. But uh, <laughs> that would be so good. <laughs> That'd be the best. Lane would just troll the shit out of everybody till the end of time. Because uh, you know, you know, Alabama will number, take the one seed, and FAU will run the table and be the four seed in the playoff. They they probably wouldn't be put in the playoff. Um, no, but it would take, imagine it would take, more, it would take more than beating Oklahoma. But at Oklahoma and at UCF, I mean, they really don't have a, another major test past September twenty first. So if, if if they can get out of September with one loss, you know. Either them or Boise is probably your odds-on favorite uh, to take that automatic bid. Yeah, and Boise's like had enough slip-ups in recent years that like they're they're not a they're not like the guarantee they once were to like contend for an undefeated season. They could have like a loss or two. But yeah, beyond those two, like in UCF, obviously loses Scott Frost, so it's a big question what they'll be. Oklahoma, I think what we all think will be good, but you know, there's no guarantee that like Kyler Murray steps right in and is Baker Mayfield part two. But then, yeah, there's some tricky spots. At Marshall, it could be tough. Um, at North Texas late in the year, I, I like the, the mean green. Um, not to win that game, but I think they are uh, sneakily been very interesting the last couple of years. So there are definitely some grenades. And um, But, you know, FAU is coming off, what, a 10-3 and three year. They basically ran right through the top of USA in year one under Kiffin. So 
Um, they're, they're the odds-on favorite, and for very good reason. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the mean green, though. Decent amount of stuff. I mean, four out of five, uh, top five receivers, over 4,000 yards passing for Mason Fine. Like, I know you and I have discussed it here and there. I've discussed it with, you know, uh, I used to work with a, a UNT grad who said, like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense why North Texas was bad for, for an extended amount of time just because of their location. Uh, they're in Denton. Uh, it's right in the kind of, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, megaplex um, so yeah, no, no reason whatsoever why, uh, why they shouldn't be able to, to reel in some really great talent. It seems like they've been doing that. Um, I know their coaching hires have been pretty good. Um, and they have a lot of young guys who, who played in the spread, coaches spread, um, and it's allowed them to, to kind of elevate their play and, and, and contend in, in a, what looks like a wide open West division this year, um, you know, UTSA is going to take a step back. I know they took a step back last year anyway, despite their strong start. But you've got four really strong teams up top with uh, La Tech, you know, North Texas, Southern Miss, and UAB. Selfishly rooting for UAB just for the, the, the sake of, you know, the, the more Dragon mascots you can see, the better. Obviously, you know, they're, they're the Internet's favorite college football team, um, given how they, they came back from, you know, what was basically a death penalty imposed by their own state uh, for idiotic reasons. It's nice to see the Blazers back, and it was great to see them last year. Look super strong, um, considering the time off and considering, like, most people kind of had their cap at two wins. Um, it, it was fun to see them succeed, and I really hope that they can do that again because uh, the faster UAB can contend, the, 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 I think, faster, you know, other programs in, in less dire straits, uh, you know, might be able to get their shit together. Yeah, I think the whole situation might have actually, like, kind of launched UAB on, like, a weird... It might have had this weird, like, uh, yo-yoing effect where they come back after the ridiculous decision to end their program, which only lasted a year, and they wind up getting this, like, rush of, uh, A, attention. Like, they had so much media attention from that, and for good reason. Um, I think they're building a stadium now. Yeah. Uh, I think fan support was quite good this year uh, after, you know... It was, it, was, it was definitely... It was improving before they got basically assassinated um it was like which was one of the weird like one of the things that made the the decision so weird and we we've obviously learned a bit more about that and the lobbying that went on beyond closed doors mostly from like alabama people which is so dumb there were no threat to alabama no, no. um but overall like obviously they are definitely the easiest one to root for uh for a, a number of reasons but yeah it would be very cool to see them contending for that division um in year two back and to say, I mean, right now you could already say they're, you know, not everyone beats a Bryant in Alabama, and they, they did that. So now if they can start uh, adding to it on the football field. Um, and we saw, you know, aside from the, the stadium and everything, they, they, they have this influx of transfers from to, to add to the roster that did, the part of the roster that didn't leave after that one year. Um, so they're in an interesting situation. They, they, they handled that amount of uh, adversity about as well as you could, hanging out to the coaching staff and kind of having a relatively seamless transition back into college football after that bizarre situation. So um, it's hard to root against them. Um, and they should be pretty good again. Like, uh, I don't know that they're going to take a big step forward. And obviously that West Division's uh, very, very tough one through four, maybe even one through five. UTSA has less of a, a decline. But, um, you know, if they were to win it, I think everyone would be, be rooting for them. It's really impossible not to, considering what, every, what they were put through. Yeah, and you know what? Like... You look at UAB and just the fact that just how close they were to, to going unbeaten in conference play last year. I mean, they lost by three at North Texas. Uh, they lost by one at Charlotte. Like, that was it. Like, those are the only losses that they had in conference play. Um, so for, for a team to be able to come back from that and, and be four points away from going 8-0, and again, in, in Conference USA, of all places, where, again, it's, it's not a bunch of world beaters, but... You do have a, a lot of strong programs in there. Like having them be able to do that, I think is super impressive. I am rooting for them. I know having Bill Clark kind of stick around too as head coach, uh, you know, was incredibly uh, advantageous in terms of just getting back on their feet too. You know, obviously it's not the type of thing where up oh, like our coach left, all our coordinators left, um, all the players left. Like th- there was there was some continuity there and enough continuity you know, to allow them to get back up on their feet, and hopefully they stay there. Yeah, and their schedule's, um, I think, relatively friendly, too. 
there's there's no like super easy starts to these kind of teams, but they avoid having like a, a big ba- uh, uh, body bag game early. They have Savannah State, Coastal Carolina. Um, they have uh, podcast favorite Tulane uh, third, but Tulane's you know still a work in progress, so that should actually be a pretty close game. And they have Charlotte. Uh, before they go to to Louisiana Tech, but then they come back with a trip to Rice, who is going to be one of the worst teams in college football this year, um, and they have UNT. But like, so th- they don't really have. I mean, they only have one real prominent opponent um, outside of conference, and that's at Texas A&M in the second last week, last week of the season. But they can really pick up some momentum early on here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't mean they're getting ranked, but at the same time, you know, you're right. There's a lot of manageable. Like, if they can beat Louisiana Tech, like this is a team that potentially gets into November even unbeaten, uh, which, again, would be an impressive feat for anybody, but especially impressive for this uh, team. Before we get into the you know, rest of the like, actual things that matter, um, I would say that I think Conference USA is the best collection of like, team nicknames of any conference, or at least the most, most like, unique collect, connect, uh, collection of nicknames uh, compared yeah, to have, the other conferences. We have one Panthers, one Bulldogs, Golden Eagles is at least like some kind of variation. Weirdly, two owls. Actually, owls is more common than you realize. I know. I mean, it's, it's not like on the pantheon of like right. overused nicknames. That's really it, though. Like, other than that, I mean, if we go down the list, like 49ers, uh, Thundering Herd, Blue Raiders, lots of lots of color. Mean Green, Monarchs, uh, obviously Golden Eagles, uh, Blazers, Miners, Roadrunners, Hilltoppers. Like, that's a, that's a strong group of like weird like create a create a team names which i appreciate i mean i'm one of my favorite things about college football for a long time was the uh espnu uab logo which is just oh really the, uh, the yes so good the fire breathing you and, and really compare this to to one of the other regions other um lesser conferences they packed the uh, sec where tigers bulldogs wildcats tigers bulldogs Ooh. tigers not fun but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll always pull for the Blazers. Uh, I love Roadrunners. I think their logo is awesome. I want them to be good just because they are Roadrunners. Um, I, I love the Monarchs' whole aesthetic. I, I want them to keep the lion around, though. I don't like the like the just the crown thing. I think the, the lion head really makes it, you know, fun. It's also like obviously lions aren't the most um, rare mascot, but I think we we are all in agreement that fewer weird um humanoids is good yes weird humanoids not good mascots looking at you providence (laughs) that horrifying thing never again um also like thundering herd i wish they'd bring back the uh or at least use more the uh is it a bison head logo that they use uh i think so i think it's a a bison uh wouldn't have yelled at if it's not are there Um, bison in west virginia I, I doubt it. Were there at one time, <laughs> probably? I, I mean, like, historically? Likely. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing when, like, the continents were one, I'm sure West Virginia was a part of uh, some kind of... Oh, it's mountainous. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a very bison-friendly area. Because, like, how close is, like, Marshall's, like, Bucknell? Because they're the bison. Um, I'm not sure. I've only driven briefly through... Yeah, it is an American bison. Um... Let's see. Why why is this happen? Why why is this? Well, I mean, bison used to be everywhere in this country before, you know, not to get into the politics of it all. <laughs> before <laughs> before a certain country decided to, you know, eradicate a certain, you know, other group of people. <laughs> it was really weird when Dan and John started talking about Thomas USA and then got into the Trail of Tears. That was weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm looking. Uh, the Wikipedia page does not does not uh, explain why Marco, the American bison, is uh, the mascot. Apparently it's Marco. <laughs> All this is weird. Oh, Marco, because Marshall College. It was a, a portmanteau of Mar, Mar Marshall and Ka, Ko from college, which is just like, uh, I, it's, it's actually funny when you realize how many schools do this. I like Marco is like the guy you play FIFA against online. And I also enjoy <laughs> Just the one guy you like, you knew from high school, but you never, you haven't seen him in six years. Yeah, but like yeah. Days, but yeah. yeah, you'll have a few um, <laughs> I enjoy this from 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 the from the Wikipedia. Sometimes called a buffalo, Mark, which is just like, I, I like that, that the mix up has made the Wikipedia page. Marco had a female companion in the 1970s, Marcia, and a green-furred son named Buffy, 
who appeared from 1979 to 80. I like that in the 70s and 80s we decided that, that all mascots had to have nuclear families. I mean, it's not as weird as when the, uh, the Demon Deacon married Mr. and Mrs. Wolf at halftime. Oh my god. I do love, um, I do love the female Deacon uh, mascot. Wait, the Deacons have a female mascot? Oh yes, look it up. I've please. literally never seen this. Oh, look it up and then also tweet Lauren Brownlow about it. But like, I've been to a Wake Forest game. I know, she doesn't always come out. I've seen her once in the times I've gone down. It's amazing. She looks like an old Polish woman, that's what it is. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Actually, she doesn't look like an old Polish woman. She just looks like the human deacon in female clothes. Wait, is that, and, and there's like a geriatric deacon as well? I have never seen that one. I'm, I'm looking at the same picture. I've never seen that one, so I don't know where, what his... <laughs> I don't know what his his part of this is. Wait, you're but so, yes, that, you're so that is stupid. I like how they were. I think they were literally just too cheap to get an actual female mascot, so they just dressed up one of the old models. <laughs> Almost definitely. Like, wait, you definitely have so much money. They're definitely paying off so many executives that they don't need to be paying off, and they can afford it. So, like, go get some more mascots. Well, the geriatric deacons, like the cheap and deacon, where he's just like he's definitely the old mascot. They just like glued a beard on. Yes, like this is very clear what's going on here. Yeah, like I know because I've actually hung out with the Demon Deacon um, in Brooklyn last year, and yeah, that costume looked ratty as hell. Also, the fact that the Deacon rides a motorcycle, like they Why? just they just it's such a slapdash mascot where they just keep on adding ridiculous nonsense to it that has nothing to do with anything else with the school. Yeah. Like no one at Wake Forest rides a motorcycle. He's the only one. He's the only one at that entire school that rides a motorcycle. Yeah, you're, you're, let's see. You, you are a man of the cloth who wears a top hat um, <laughs> and, and a bow tie. You ride a motorcycle. You have... You're, mar- you're married to your twin. Yeah, you're married to your twin. Your dad looks just like you, too. Um, you, don't let them, you don't let them see the light of day most times. A lot, lot of weird stuff going on in Winston-Salem, apparently. You, 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 mar- you marry wolves. <laughs> yeah, you... you... You're, you're overseeing animal marriages. That's a... Uh... I, I mean, this stuff. This stuff's so far off the rails. <laughs> incredibly, but but not surprisingly, uh, that, that's what these early conferences are for: the uh, the frivolity of the lower levels of uh, college football. Dan, who do you think is the worst team in Conference USA? Do you think it's do you think it's Rice, UTEP, or Charlotte? Um, it's tough. UTEP was was so bad last year. Uh, they were maybe the worst team in FBS last year, unless I'm forgetting someone. No, nope, they were. Yeah, okay. I thought so. They were 0-12. Uh, they, I think they were the first team to fire their coach. Sean Tudler got fired, I think, in like mid, early mid-October, if I remember correctly. Um, Mike Price took over, I think, right, as an interim, and obviously just... Yeah, well, and, and, yeah I mean, he did better than, than whatever the hell was going on before. Although, they only lost to Western Kentucky by one. For some reason... Which is weird. Yeah, they decided not to schedule an FCS team, which is part of the problem. But they did this year. Good for them. I have no idea what to think of Dana Dimel. Um, he was at Kansas State, obviously. Yeah, unless I mean, if they're looking at Kansas State as a model, at least that's an idea. At least that's like a thing. I just don't know why UTEP. I know it's like people talk about it being this really difficult job. I don't know why it has to be. Hire someone like, in Texas. Right, you're in Texas. I know you're in West Texas. You're all the way out there. I assume they still have football players. I, I have like having heard about Texas once or twice. I assume that they still have football players in West Texas. So I, I'm not expecting them to be like this powerhouse. I just don't get why they are, have been so bad um, since that those like weird good Mike Price years, which didn't last nearly as long as people probably think. And then the other one's Rice, who uh, also hired a new coach Mike Bloomgren um, after some really rough years. Uh, he was uh, he was at Stanford, which makes sense. They're trying to do the whole like Stanford of the blank geographic region thing, which we see with every high academic school now. I think that I mean, that thing that hire made sense. It's just uh, I think Rice makes more sense in terms of being a difficult job. Right. Um, Although they are in Houston, at least they are in Houston. I think I don't know what, I don't know how restrictive their academics end up being. I assume uh, they're fairly restrictive. Fairly, I I mean not as much as Stanford or Duke. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I just don't think they're coming from quite the, the low place that, um, UTEP is. Yeah. Um, so I'll say UTEP just by default. Um, I also think like Rice is that thing where 
<laughs> it was Bailiff that was still there, right? He's yeah. the most recent. Well, because he, I mean, he stuck around for a while just because he had, he had a long success. time. Yes, yeah. I think he just kind of ran his course. Yeah, at some point, like when when the success stopped coming, and you know, I mean, he had like that random season where they either won Conference USA or they lost in the championship game. They won it once. They won it in 2013. They won yeah. 10 games twice. Which I'm pretty sure no other race coach has any other race coach done that. Probably not. I, I couldn't tell you, but I assume not. Yeah, Especially just because of shorter schedules. True. Yeah, like even when Rice was like halfway decent in like the Southwest Conference, I feel like it, it was never that good. Yeah, so I, I assume UTEP's coming from a, a worse place. They have, I'd say, a more questionable coaching hire who, if he is going to do a Kansas State model type deal, I think that's going to take some more time. Um, so I think they're probably the, the pen, you pencil them in to be the, the worst team. I buy that. Uh, what Charlotte do you think? at least is like kind of doing their thing, so they're not starting from the same place. Yeah, Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte has some potential. I think they schedule well, um, all things considered. Uh, Robert Washington might factor in a little bit. I think is he still on the roster? He might be. He well, if he is, he's not starting. That hmm. uh, that role belongs to Benny Lemay. A weird saga that was. Yeah. Very weird. That's why I mentioned it in that uh, pardons post, just to jog everybody's memory. Um, do you think Middle Tennessee is going to be... I mean, they bring back a lot of people, and they bring back most of the guys who are important, um, and most of the defense, so if you, if Scott Schaefer does something halfway well, that should mean they at least contend for the Eastern, the Eastern Division, you know, past Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, they're just a pretty reliable, solid you know, seven to nine win team. I think they'll probably be that again. Um, I think they're, they're about as like reliable, if not like great in terms of like the teams that can occasionally pop up and win 10 games in the group of five. This schedule sucks. You had start off at Vandy two weeks later Which, you're at Georgia. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. Well, what are they doing? Then you got, you got FAU at Marshall at FIU. Uh, you get like maybe like a two week break with Charlotte and Adel Dominion. You get Western Kentucky, you get another break at UTEP, and then you get at Kentucky, UAB. Like, a good Middle, t- middle Tennessee team could lose eight games this year. Why are they playing at three SEC teams? That's nuts. Because they're stupid. <laughs> are, they, are they, like, are they in debt? Like, I mean, maybe. maybe. But, like, that's <laughs> middle like, Tennessee that's... is kind of a dead giveaway there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, why? Plus, they have FAU, obviously. They have at FIU, which they, is no easy They play game. all the teams you don't want to play, plus those three. On the road. <laughs> this is this, this is disaster. Yeah, this could be like, like that, that schedule, I, I don't think Stock still is in like real like threat to lose his job. No, he's fine. But if he was if he was on, on shakier ground and hadn't been there for a bit, like that's a schedule that can get you fired. I mean, yeah, this is a guy playing house money. Yeah, I mean, I think he's fine, unless they were they're like 2-10. and 10. And even then, who knows? He's been there for a while. He's built up some... some some cred, but that's a really, you don't want to do that to yourself, especially when you're not like an FAU who's trying to like see how far you can push it. Yeah. Meanwhile, like you look at like Marshall, I think they're much, I think they're much more talented than Marshall to be honest, but Marshall's schedule probably outlines a second place finish for them. You got Miami. Yeah. yeah, They got two road games at Miami, Ohio and at South Carolina in the non-conference. They got Eastern Kentucky and they're hosting NC state. Uh, Maybe they can jump up and bite NC state considering that they're replacing a lot on defense and it's early. They bring in FAU, which obviously they can't control, but that's that's nice to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that this one shapes up. They, sh- I mean, I don't know how good they'll be. I think there are some questions there, but you could. I mean, it's not crazy that they could upset South Carolina. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. But it's not like it would be the, the craziest thing. Um, I don't think there's any game here. I mean, the toughest game in their schedule is probably FAU, and you know, if that's the case, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, even if they lost that game, even if they lost to South Carolina, NC State, and FAU. A moderately okay Marshall team could still finish in second place in this uh, in this division, which good for them. Yeah, I mean that that's like the one thing. Like FAU kind of takes some of the drama out of it. They're like kind of the the warriors of this of this conference this year. But um, beyond but beyond them, like we've talked about a bunch of them. There are a lot of very fun teams um, having you know entering interesting places. So uh, um, it'll be it should be a fun conference to follow this year. And I think most of these G fives like have at least enough intrigue where there's something to to look at. 
Yeah, Dan, I mean, FAU obviously is number one, but like after them, who are the three teams that you're most looking forward to watching, regardless of uh, how good they actually are going to be? Um, I think North Texas just plays a really fun brand. Um, I love their kind of, they're very, they're a very Texas, Texas school, which I always appreciate. Uh, they air it out. Um, I think Latrell is, is an up and coming coach. Uh, that's what I look at a lot with these schools. Um, just kind of projecting who uh, could be like next in terms of these, you know, these coaching hires that end up opening up. Um, we haven't talked about them and I don't, you know, know how much we want to go into them, but WKU I think has been one of the more fun teams in college football for a long time. Um, and I think overall, uh, they, I, I still like that hire they made a couple of years ago in, um, name is up in my mind, Mike Sanford, who was at Notre Dame before that, um, obviously filling in for, uh, you know, one of the, the breakout coaches uh, of last year in, um, oh man, uh, Purdue. Uh, no, uh, Brown. Brown. I don't know why I can't think of any coach names for the last two weeks. That's <laughs> Filling in for Jeff Brown, um, I thought, you know, he's like 34, 35 years old, so I think it was going to take a little bit of time. Uh, but they, they you know, were recruiting for uh, a system that puts a lot of points, and I think they've been really fun. Plus, I think they, they look pretty good, the red and silver, I like, uh, which plays a factor in these kind of games, honestly. Um, and then, and they're obviously projected to finish a little lower down. Um, and then beyond them, I think, I'd probably go with like a, with, with, Obviously, UAB is, is a good story. I, I think Louisiana Tech's always a pretty reliably fun program, um, and they could also contend as well, which is is a theme here. Like any of these schools beyond FAU um, that are like in the top like eight or nine of the of the conference could all, you know, it wouldn't shock anyone if any of them jumped up and won like nine games. Yeah, I mean for Louisiana Tech, I think they're high on my list. Jamar Smith's back, quarterback, and like just from a big play perspective, like I think they could just be a fun team. They usually are. Uh, you know what? I, I think Marshall, they've got uh, Alex Thompson came in as a grad transfer. So, like, you know, and he was from, where the hell was he from? I don't know, but they did bring in Sam Houston's uh, offensive coordinator. So I feel like Marshall's going to be a fun team to watch this year. Um, and then, since MTSU decided to schedule themselves into the ground, uh, give me North Texas with the other one, just because, like you said, the trail should bring in a pretty fun brand of football. Once again, UAB is just a, a sentimental choice more than anything else. Um, and then last but not least, Dan, I know we both say FAU is winning this conference. Who do you see winning the West? Um, I, I was going to go with North Texas. I think that, that's been my pick. Um, they, have, they have talent. They're still like that system keeps on uh, developing. And, and I think they kind of just – they, they, they know what they are, more so than some of these other teams with uh, similar talent bases. Fair enough. I think I'm going to take La Tech, if only because of the experience at quarterback. They bring back a lot on defense, which should be helpful. And then just a passing glance at the schedule. I think theirs might be a little more advantageous. So I'm going to take La Tech, but it could be one of those like weird three-way tie situations that Conference USA is never like, you know, able to avoid. Yeah, I mean, you could see like one of like four or five teams winning that division, so it's uh, it should definitely be fun. Great. Hope we can just watch these games since I know ESPN Plus and also the crap is going to start messing with Ooh, my ability. I about that. Yeah, messing with my ability to just sit on my couch and uh, and you know tune in to to whatever random football is is occurring on my Tuesday through Saturday night. That'll be depressing if we have to like subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch Tuesday Night Football. I don't like that. This is the problem with the current like OTT model and where it's headed, is that like you're gonna have to subscribe to so much shit that it's gonna be exactly the same as cable. Yeah, that I mean that's definitely that's definitely a concern. Um, I wish I would roll it into like something else. It's like I'm interested to check it out, but like right now it's not where it needs to be. I do wonder what happens. I was thinking about this the other day, and not to like go off on a huge diatribe since we're over an hour, but um, I do wonder if like the ACC network will be impacted. I really hope not. I feel like this is the type of thing, though, where they'll like throw a, a big game on ESPN Plus and be like, well, guess we're going to have to subscribe. If you're ESPN, that's probably the move, to be honest. They did it with ESPN, too. That's, that's how true. they got people to subscribe, is they threw North Carolina Duke on there and said, F all y'all. <laughs> like, guess you're subscribing. And, and that was it. 
Yeah, like there's that you know that's probably like I mean the right business decision is to if you have the ACC they probably shouldn't be getting uh, a linear network um, based on the uh, you know it's, they're not going to draw the same yeah. eyeballs as the Big Ten of the SEC but we're getting one in part because of a relationship with ESPN we're going to owe them somewhere I think you're probably going to look at some kind of bid probably more basketball honest um, not Duke or not Duke UNC I don't think they won't, I don't think they'll do that but. I bet we're going to get some at least one or two really prominent basketball games on ESPN Plus only um, in the next like couple of years. I can't wait for those comments. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we need to go to the Big Ten. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, that was everything for this week. Dan, you uh, have anything else? No, I think that's it. Cool. Well, uh, good luck to uh, the members of the Syracuse track team that are still running. Good luck to the Syracuse rowing team um, in their endeavors. And, uh, yeah, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noon's An Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and go Orange. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a -a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.